All right, good morning. My name is Dwayne Spear, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is October the 13th, and uh, we are continuing to work our way through the book of Acts together. Uh, last time we were together, we got through Acts chapter number 22. We're moving pretty quickly. Um, you remember that uh, in Acts chapter Number 21 is when Paul actually arrives in Jerusalem, and of course, it was prophesied by a few folks that it would not go well, and of course, when Paul originally arrived in Jerusalem, things seemed to be all right. He set foot, he met James, he met uh, some of the elders, and he gave an update about what God was doing among the Gentiles. And uh, they, of course, said God was moving also among the Jews. And they informed him that there were some believing Jews that, were, that had some questions in regards to what he was teaching to the Jews that were among the Gentiles. Uh, the rumor was that he was teaching uh, that uh, they did not have to keep the law of Moses that they did not have to circumcise their children nor walk in the customs that were handed down to them. And, of course, Paul, you know, says that's not true. And um, so they came up with this this plan that uh, Paul had already made a vow back in chapter number 18. They, would, they had four guys on hand that would make the same vow, would cut their hair as well, and they could make a public... Um, a photo, photo shoot, if you would, a photo op, walking into Jerusalem, uh, letting everybody know that Paul had not forsaken the, the law of Moses. And, of course, that didn't go well. It didn't go as, as they had planned it to go. And, um, of course, Paul, you know, attempts to, they rush on him. Uh, and, of course, it says that, that Jews from Asia are the ones that uh, made the accusation. And we know that these Jews had actually followed him from Ephesus uh, because they knew what Paul had done in Ephesus. And he actually had Trophimus, who was an Ephesian, with him that they had mistakenly uh, thought that he had taken into the temple with him, and he had not. But the fact that they knew who Trophimus was and in fact, the text says they were Jews from Asia. They followed him down, and um, they were the ones making the accusation against him. Good morning, Lori. Uh, good morning, Scott. Uh, Matt, God bless you guys. It's always so good to see you. Um, so, of course, it went sideways from there. Uh, I think the, uh, the most valuable character in this uh, narrative is the Roman captain who, <laughs> um, you know, steps in and, and delivers Paul from them. And of course, there's a, you know, a back and forth between uh, him and Paul in regards to who Paul really is. For some reason, like I said, and looking at some of the writings of Josephus, he felt that Paul was um, an Egyptian that had led a rebellion um, some years before. And, um, but Paul said, no, I'm, I'm a Jew of, of Cilicia, of Tarsus. And um, so then we wrap up uh, chapter number 22, where Paul 
ask the Roman captain if he could just speak to them, you know, try to talk some sense into them. And he addresses them in Hebrew, and he begins to share with them his testimony about how he was converted on the road to Damascus. And um, and they listened to him until he said the word Gentiles. Um, as soon as Paul said, the Lord told me to depart, for I was in the far hence to the Gentiles. They gave audience unto this word, unto this word, and then lifted their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. So they're throwing dirt, they're throwing clothes, uh, they're crying out. Uh, this guy has, you know, actually, you know, committed sacrilege in their opinion. And again, the chief captain is the one that uh, pulls him back inside the fortress and protects him. Uh, but he decides, because he really wants to know what Paul is being accused of. So the next day, he brings Paul before uh, the council. And that brings us into chapter number 23. Again, Paul's still in Jerusalem. Paul earnestly, <clears throat> beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Um, well, I, that that didn't go far. Uh, you, you can see the hostility that they have toward Paul at this point. Um, Ananias, historically, was crooked as a dog's hind leg, is the way my grandmother used to say it. Um, but he would get his own. He would get his own just desserts. Josephus records that later uh, he and his brother were murdered uh, by a band of, of Sicarii's um, after being caught hiding in an aqueduct uh, where they were hiding and they were, they were slain in there. Um, well, what goes around comes around. Uh, so Ananias was, um, was crooked. Um, and then in verse 3, Then said Paul unto him, God will smite thee, thou whited wall. <laughs> for for saidest thou to judge me after the law, and thou and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the laws. Interestingly, Paul uttered prophetic words at this point because he says, God will smite thee, uh, you whited wall. For you set in judgment against me, and you command me to be smitten against the law. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? And then Paul said, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So Paul apologizes, but not because of his word, that is, not because his words were not true. They were true, but because he did not realize who the idiot was. <laughs> He didn't realize that this was indeed the high priest. And Paul's point seems to be that he was being accused. You're accusing me of disobeying the law, and yet you are disobeying the law. What did he mean by that? Well, they were already condemning him before he even got the words out of his mouth. Uh, in Deuteronomy 25, verses 1 through 2, if there be a controversy between men and they come into the judgment that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face, according to his fault, by a certain number. So Paul is saying, you've already passed judgment on me. You're already smiting me in the mouth. 
and I, you're not even letting me speak. Uh, so you're accusing me of violating the, the, the law by condemning me without a fair trial. Um, and of course, they're accusing him of violating the law by speaking evil against uh, one of God's, God's rulers. Um, it seems his apology seems to stem from Exodus twenty two twenty eight, where it says, "Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people." Um, and of course, that's exactly what Paul did when he said, "You whited wall, for settest thou to judge me after the law, and then you command me to be smitten contrary to the law." So Paul is calling out the hypocrisy of the whole situation. Um, to me, Paul's apology also, it's the same thing as, you know, I, we, we were actually told this in the military. Um, I was, I served under Bill Clinton. Um, and I can promise you there were, there were Marines few and far between that cared for brother Bill. Uh, nobody liked Bill Clinton because he was forcing, um, things down on the United States military uh, that, of course, Obama took to the farthest extreme later. But uh, we were always told, you know, you respect the office, even though you do not respect the man. And uh, Paul was showing respect for the office, I think, when he did apologize. Um, he was showing respect for the office, but clearly he had no respect for the man. Interestingly, in the military, you're not allowed to say, Bill Clinton, you're not allowed to say that. Uh, you are. You have to say the Honorable Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton. You can't just say Bill Clinton. Um, of course, we've lost all respect in our society today. We don't address. We don't respect the office. We don't respect the man. We don't respect nothing in our in our society today. But that seems to be what what Paul is is doing here. He's saying you're breaking the law by smiting me as you're accusing me of breaking the law but not respecting the ruler of God's people. So I'm sorry for my part in that. Um, and then notice in uh, verse 6, but when Paul received or perceived that the that one part were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the council. Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee, and the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called into question. Now, Paul immediately perceived. Um, that word perceived is gnosko, which means Paul had an experiential, intimate knowledge. Why would he have a, a, a intimate uh, knowledge, experiential knowledge of this? Because he was a Pharisee. He knew exactly what the Pharisees stood for. He knew exactly what the Pharisees stood against, just, excuse me, as he did the Sadducees. So Paul had a gnosko. He had a, an intimate, experiential knowledge of, of his audience at this point. So he perceived that his audience was divided, and he was going to take advantage of that. So, um, and remember that he ran with these guys. He knew these guys very well. Um, I kind of started going down this rabbit trail about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Of course, you, you probably, if you've heard me teach for any length of time, the Pharisees wanted everything to be fair, you see, and the Sadducees were Sadducee. 
Uh, and the reason they, they say that, it's a good little thing. I used to teach my students that. The Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were uh, influential Jewish sects in Israel, very much like our system today. You could, you could almost say that they were the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, the Pharisees would have been the Republicans. Uh, Pharisees were constitutionalist, if you will. Pharisees believed in the letter of the Torah. They believed that the Torah was to be obeyed. Matter of fact, they believed that the reason they were where they were and they were under the thumb of the Romans was because they had violated the Torah. And they were so afraid of violating the Torah and continuing to reap God's anger against them that they even wrote other laws that would ensure that they wouldn't continue to violate the law of the Torah. Um, the so they they were almost the the conservatives. They were the conservatives conservatives of the day. Their constitution, of course, was the Torah. Forgive me for going down this road, but it's the day in which we live. The Sadducees, on the other hand, they were the leftist elites. Uh, they believed the Torah was a was a good guideline, uh, but they were the the educated. <laughs> they were more secular in their views. Uh, they um, they embraced Hellenism and Greek culture, um, you know. And they, you know, God's flexible, you know. So they were not. They were the the revisionist, if you will. Um, the Pharisees uh, were members of the middle class, you know, and they were. Uh, committed to uphold, upholding the Mosaic Law. Um, on the other hand, the Sadducees, they represented the aristocracy uh, and, and lean left in their political and spiritual leanings. And, and again, they embraced Hellenism. Um, leaders among the Pharisees were called rabbis, uh, while the Sadducees operated as the priests and they were predominantly members of the Sanhedrin. Um, also, the, what Paul was digging into here is that the Pharisees believed in uh, an afterlife. They believed in heaven. They believed in hell. They believed that man would be judged based upon his adherence to the Torah and his works while on earth. So, therefore, they believed in a resurrection a resurrection in which a man would stand and give an account for the way that he's lived his life. The Sadducees, on the other hand, uh, did not believe uh, in the resurrection, the afterlife. Uh, they didn't believe anything happened after physical death. And that's why they were sad, you see. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Paul knew this, and Paul used it to pull the Pharisees over to his side. Now, there's no doubt that there were those many of those men sitting there understood who Paul was. I mean, Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, you know, the most popular, uh, famous, you know, uh, teacher of, of all time. So they knew who Paul was. So Paul was going to take advantage of that, and he was going to put a wedge and divide these two groups. A lot of interesting reading there in regards to the Pharisees and Sadducees. As a teacher, I know you guys can relate to this. Um, you you 
you probably give back about 10% of what you study. Because, man, I went down that Pharisee-Sadducee road <laughs> the other day for quite some time. There's a lot to be said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Today, I think uh, most of us would be considered, we, we are Pharisees. Um, and that we do believe in the afterlife. We do believe in heaven and hell. And we, we are strict constitutionalists in the sense that we believe that, you know, we believe in the, 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 the literal uh, interpretation of the Bible. Uh, we believe uh, that unless the Bible, uh, unless the text clearly indicates that it's symbolic, it, it must be translated as literal. Uh, so we would be, for sure, Pharisees uh, today. So Paul used this and in his intimate knowledge, his gnosko, his knowledge of this, to pull the Pharisees over to his side. And he did it quite successfully. And when he had so said, there you go, <laughs> there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Well, it worked. Because <laughs> as soon as he, he brought up the issue of the hope of the resurrection, am I called into question, immediately his audience was divided. Um, but understand, the sad thing is that in the end, both of these groups had rejected the Messiah. Both of these groups had rejected uh, the kingdom gospel that was offered to them by, by Jesus Christ and rejected the kingdom, the, the offer of the kingdom that was offered to them by Peter in Acts chapter number 2. And as a result, there arose a great cry. And the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part, arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man. <laughs> but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. So uh, Paul had definitely uh, divided them. And, of course, there arose a great dissension. And here's the man of the hour, the chief captain, Fearing lest Paul should have been pulled to pieces of them, uh, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. So, once again, Chief Captain, man of the hour, saves Paul. Uh, nothing got accomplished. Um, and the night following, the Lord stood by him. I, I find a lot of comfort in this Um because this is the same thing that happened back in Acts 18, 9 through 10. Um, when it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Uh, no doubt the Lord knew that Paul was going to need some encouragement here. He had finally got back to Jerusalem, everything he wanted to do, and it, it, it fell apart in front of him. Um, his people, the Jews, wanted nothing to do, do with him, wanted nothing to do with his message. 
they had thoroughly rejected um, him. And the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. Cheer up, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. In other words, you've done what I told you to do. And again, remember, we talked about those who told Paul, you, you can't go, you can't go. You know, obviously they were speaking out of, 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 of fear, out of love for Paul. Obviously, Paul, God wanted Paul to go to Jerusalem. He wanted the Jews to have one last opportunity. Um, so must thou bear witness also of me in Rome. So the Lord steps in. He encourages Paul uh, to keep plugging away because he still needs to go to Rome. And of course, in Rome, uh, that was the seat of Gentile power, Gentile authority, and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And I find it uh, interesting that the very next book is Romans, Acts, Romans. From Acts, in Acts 28, Paul has arrived in Rome, you know, and that makes the book of Romans so important. Um, it makes the book of Acts so important. We would not understand Romans if it was not for Acts. We would not understand Romans if we did not understand that the gospel of the kingdom had been thoroughly rejected by the nation. And realizing that Acts is a transitional book, um, that Acts is showing how that gospel was rejected and how Paul ended up in Rome in the first place. Uh, Acts is the pivot point in the New Testament. Acts is the segue between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. Acts to me now, uh, if you would have asked me five years ago, I'd have said the book of Revelation. You know, but you can't understand the book of Revelation if you don't understand what God is doing in the book of Acts. Uh, you can't understand any of the books in the New Testament if you don't understand what God is doing in the book of Acts. If you don't understand what God is doing in the book of Acts, you're going to turn. You're going to totally misinterpret the book of Acts, and you're just going to go with the flow. You're going to go with the average dispensational thought today, which is the Jews rejected uh, Christ. When they crucified him, they rejected the kingdom offer when they re when they crucified him. But when you adequately understand the book of Acts, you know that's not when they rejected the kingdom because the kingdom was not offered in in the in the gospels. The kingdom could not have been offered in the gospels. The kingdom could not have been offered until after the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So the kingdom had to have been offered by Peter. It begins to make sense. Acts is the pivot point. Acts is the segue. Acts is the crossroads for you to understand the Pauline epistles. And then it also sets you up to understand the Hebrew epistles. I mean, think about it. If you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and go up to Acts chapter number two, if the Jews would have accepted the message of Peter on the day of Pentecost, you could pull out the rest of Acts, Romans through Philemon, 
and bump the book of Hebrews up <laughs> through the book of Revelation. That's what should have happened. That's what could have happened. But that's not what happened. And, and we've talked about that, how that uh, this little graphic here, I mean, if they would have accepted uh, the offer of the kingdom that Peter gave, um, they would have experienced the tribulation. Uh, they would have went into the tribulation, the Antichrist, the second coming, and the establishment of the kingdom. That's what would have happened, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first two chapters of Acts, Hebrews through Revelation, is right there. But that's not what happened. This happened. So now you have Acts 3 and beyond all the way to Philemon is right here. That's what ended up happening. So it's just, I mean, it, you got to understand the book of Revelation. Um, you got to understand it. So I think that's my time for today. Uh, tomorrow we will uh, get into Acts 23, verse number 12. It's good to see you guys. I just, uh, Mac and Scott and Lori, God bless you. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a journey. I, I love being with you guys every morning. Uh, studying through this stuff together. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your input. I appreciate your fellowship. And uh, you guys just have a great day. And Lord willing, uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm sitting here thinking out loud because my schedule's about to go crazy. Um, but I should be fine for the rest of this week and the rest of the following week. And then the week after that, I'll be on the road. So we'll... Uh, make it happen lord willing <laughs> it may be a little little different the backgrounds may be a little unique but uh we'll we'll, we'll keep trying to make this happen every morning at 6 30 so god bless you guys hope you have a great day